You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is up, Gamecock Nation? Um, Matt Anderson here. Uh, appreciate you guys hopping on to the show. Appreciate you guys um, supporting this show and, and just being Gamecocks. And hey, right now, it's tough to be a Gamecock. It's a, it's a tough loss. Um, and we'll talk a lot about the game here shortly. But if this is the first time you're, you're joining the show, remember that Monday nights at 9 p.m. we go live on YouTube. Um, this is being recorded, so it will go to wherever you get your podcast um, from that you download. And it you know, should be up there you know, later tonight, early tomorrow, or something like that. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, working through a cold here at my house. But And then we're actually probably going to make a change on the Thursday show. Uh, We're probably going to be recording that show on Fridays. Um, It just hasn't seemed to work very well for Thursday nights, kind of tying up the work week and and getting into Fridays and cooking dinner and all the stuff that has to happen at a house to get things things organized. So we're probably going to start recording that one on Fridays. Um, Down the road, you know, we'll look and see what Phil's schedule looks like. And we're going to try and make that show a live show as well. So um, probably be on Thursdays, Fridays, you know, we're trying to finalize that date, but for the, for the, the um, end of the week show, you know, just make sure you check us out um, via whatever, wherever you get podcasts that that's where, that's where that show will populate. So um, again, my name is Matt Anderson and I'm your host for all things Gamecock after dark. Uh, Really looking forward to kind of watching this Tennessee game out of our systems um, just a tough one. You know, what we talked about on the, the Friday show last week was, you know, I just, I was hoping and praying that if Shane won the coin toss, that he would defer to the second half. And for whatever reason, that just doesn't seem to be something that Shane wants to do. I know that Shane wants to be as aggressive as he possibly can. He knew he was going to score points in Knoxville to, to win the game. I, I think that there might've been some thought to, try and take Tennessee's fans out of the game early, or at least, you know, put a damper on them. But um, obviously Gamecocks ended up punting the ball five plays, 23 yards, first and 10 run up the middle with Mario Anderson, no gain. Um, Spencer actually had a a really good, really good quarterback run out of the, out of the backfield for 17 yards to give us a first down and incomplete pass to Mario Anderson um, pass to Joshua Simon for six yards. You know, that was something that the Gamecocks fans have been wanting to see Joshua Simon and the, and the tight ends become more involved. And they, and they definitely were to start the game. But then on third and four, uh, Spencer got a complete pass to Xavier Leggett, probably didn't lead him enough. Um, probably a, a ball thrown behind him and, and Xavier couldn't get to the line to gain. So Gamecocks go um, five plays, 23 yards, two and a half minutes off the clock, and, and they're punting to Tennessee. And that's just not a situation you want to be in in Neyland, in Neyland Stadium. Um, night games are always electric, you know, no matter what stadium you're in in the SEC. But, you know, having the opportunity to to try and, you know, set the tempo defensively is what I would have done first. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have mattered because uh, Tennessee had one of their famous less than four-minute drives. You know, the Tennessee scored a touchdown on nine plays. They went, let's see here. 94 yards it looks like and in three minutes and two seconds you know Tennessee does that that crazy that crazy offense where everything is really spread out and 
it, it's really tough to defend. Um, you know, looking looking forward a little bit, do I think that every team is going to be that difficult to defend? No, I don't think so. But Tennessee, you know, marched it down the field, scored a touchdown, seven nothing Tennessee. The the place was absolutely rocking at that point, and it, it didn't really help that that the Gamecocks kind of came out flat again on defense. Um, it's it's become something that I'm I'm getting a little worried about. You know, the defense starting the game. Obviously, we had the Mississippi State game where you know the defense kind of came out and they were they were fine in the in the first in the first quarter. But when you play better teams, and Tennessee, while I don't think is an elite team in the SEC, definitely is a team that you can't you can't mess around with. And yeah, Carolina Titan, I see you in the chat. South Carolina is just so inconsistent right now. It's it's really maddening to be a fan at the moment because you you definitely see potential and you see you know reasons for optimism just clouded by a ton of reasons not to be optimistic and, and reasons to be upset. Um, I was upset watching this game, and we'll talk more about that later. South Carolina had a nice answer, though. Um, after the Tennessee touchdown, uh, South Carolina drove the ball down. Um, eight plays, 57 yards, um, a field goal attempt there. I mean, Mitch Jeter, for all the all the things we can talk about, the offense and defense, you know, Mitch Jeter has been absolutely rock solid as a kicker for South Carolina, you know, throughout his entire career, I think he only has one miss and I think it was like a 57 or 58 yard attempt. So can't say enough good things about Mitch Jeter. Um, so Gamecocks make it seven to three. Um, really, you know, you're kind of feeling like, okay, we might've weathered the storm, especially when, you know, three plays later, Joe Milton, Tennessee quarterback, throws an interception. It's, you know, it's returned, I think for, for 16 yards or something by DQ Smith. Um, I don't know if it was just Joe Milton not seeing the field, but DQ Smith really didn't move at all to have to catch that interception. Maybe he just blended in a little bit in that zone defense. And yeah, at this point, everybody's excited because Gamecocks weathered that storm. Joe Milton, I don't think had thrown a single interception as a Tennessee volunteer. You weren't, you weren't banking on Tennessee um, turning turning the ball over via the air, you know, maybe a fumble because they run the ball so much. But South Carolina gained a lot of momentum there, and just boom, all of a sudden it's ten seven South Carolina. I'm feeling a little bit more confident now. Um, you know, South Carolina had a six play twenty nine yard drive. They didn't have to go that far. Um, and Mario Anderson again had a ten yard run. Uh, Spencer got the ball down to the one yard line. Um, via combination Mario Anderson and then a pass that you know Trey Knox just couldn't quite get into the end zone on. You know, maybe if he contorted his body a little bit different, maybe he could have kind of kind of spun into the end zone. But you know, the next the next play, uh, it's third and goal from the South Carolina from the Tennessee six. I think there was a false start or procedural procedural penalty. And Spencer really shows you what one of the one of the things that makes Spencer you know a warrior. Spencer, you know, rushed the ball. I mean he he ran the ball broke through the, the offensive defensive line and, and lunged for the end zone, jumping straight into two Tennessee defenders and, and just got that ball just enough over the goal line to give South Carolina a touchdown. Gamecocks are winning 10-7. It feels like okay, everything's kind of settled down a little bit. But with Tennessee, you just can't sleep. You can't sleep on them. And I know that you know one of the Tennessee guys, Wes Rucker, came on the Big Spur and talked about how you know, Tennessee kind of plays like a punk rock album, you know, and 
There's not going to be any Bohemian Rhapsody. There's not going to be Stairway to Heaven. It's not going to be a lot of seven, eight, you know, minute drives. They're going to hit you fast. And that's sure what happened on the next drive. Four plays, 75 yards, a minute and 21 seconds, and Tennessee regains the lead. Unfortunately, South Carolina was not able to, to ever, you know, come close to getting the lead back. Um, well, just uh, one of the plays, too, was just, uh, I think this is it. Yeah, just a, a crazy pass, a 50-yard completion for Joe Milton to Squirrel White. Um, 50 yards, I don't know how the play could be defended any better. I thought the Gamecocks had a chance at interception. I thought they definitely had a chance to knock the ball down. But, you know, hats off to hats off to, to Squirrel White for just making an unbelievable catch to get Tennessee down to the South Carolina four. And it wasn't long after that, Tennessee punched it in to regain the lead 14-10. to 10. Hey, Big Rooster, I see you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the Gamecocks can finish five and three the rest of the way too. I think that the the toughest part of the parts of the schedule are, are pretty much behind South Carolina right now, and it's just a shame that South Carolina wasn't able to win one of these big games um, to start the season to give a lot of momentum. You know, interesting enough, the Gamecocks, you know, Gamecocks go for it on their on fourth down, aren't able to get it, and maybe they're trying to regain some momentum. Um, you, you look at this and it's um uh, it's what is it, five, six, eight plays, 44 yards, four and a half minutes, you know, go off the clock. Spencer got sacked again on third and four. You obviously have the the big the big um fake fake punt where Kai Kroger's done that just um uh, just a million times, it seems like for South Carolina. Beautifully thrown ball to Xavier Leggett. I thought Xavier had a chance to house that one. And at this point, you kind of knew that Shane was was pot committed on that drive to go get some points. And it ended with a with a with a, a complete pass to Xavier Leggett again for one yard. It's just one of those plays where, you know, a lot of people talk about the short routes, the short crossing routes, you know, got to get beyond the sticks. But the play was kind of there for South Carolina. And I just don't know if Shane and and Dowell Loggins had confidence in the offensive line to get a push in a big moment like that. So they they, they called the pass play there. And you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, maybe it would have been better to, you know, attempt a 48 yard field goal, try and try and keep the score, you know, 14 13. But, you know, it wasn't meant to be for South Carolina on that particular drive. Um, and one of the things that we, that we talk about a lot is, is capitalizing on opportunities um, to get to, to, to get a lot of momentum. So South Carolina goes for it on fourth down. And Tennessee doesn't manage to score a touchdown, but they do get a field goal to make it 17 to 10. So they kind of answered that. They answered that South Carolina miscue with, with points of their own and, you know, ended up being a 24 yard field goal. I thought the defense held up pretty well. Third and five incomplete pass from Joe Milton, fourth and five um, delay of game or something right there. And, and so they kicked a field goal, but then South Carolina had back-to-back drives that, that were punts. Three plays, six yards, two minutes and twenty seconds. South Carolina did a great job to to for to force another Tennessee punt. And you know this is what Tennessee can do. They 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 play fast, obviously, but that that can be to their own detriment sometime. And, and we talked about that on the Friday show. You know, you do have opportunities to get Tennessee. Um, you know, just if they're not scoring, they're probably going to punt. And I'll put it that way. But you know, you have three plays and three plays, and the Gamecocks weren't able to get a first down on. And, you know, they trade punts, so punt South Carolina, punt Tennessee, punt South Carolina to get 
to get um get the ball back with not much time left in the first half. This was just a backbreaker. It was third and 22. And then Spencer's about to get sacked. He just kind of flings the ball up in the air towards the sideline. I thought the Gamecock receiver did a heck of a job to try and at least get a fingertip on the ball, but it sailed right in Tennessee's hand for a quick pick six. And this is when, you know, I wanted to just, I, I probably felt the same way a lot of Gamecock fans felt. I just said, okay, this game is over. Um, I told my wife, I was like, okay, I'm not watching the rest of this game. I'll watch it on the play by play. Um, I, just a backbreaker when you had the opportunity to keep it a one score game. Obviously, Tennessee's going to get the ball to start the second half, but a backbreaker like that that just kills all momentum going into halftime. I would have liked to see the Gamecocks, you know, run the ball, maybe force Tennessee to use another timeout. You know, Tennessee, maybe Tennessee scores a, a touchdown with not much time left in the second quarter. But, you know, what's more likely is a, a big pump by Kai Kroger. Defense does its job and, and limits that damage to, you know, a field goal at worst. And it, it just wasn't in the cards there. Um, so I got, <coughs> excuse me, obviously really frustrated. Um, South Carolina punted the ball again. Tennessee ran a play, one play into half. And the Gamecocks are down 24-10 at halftime. And we're, we're kind of just saying, okay, if the Gamecocks can get a stop here to start the second half, you know, we're back to being a ball game. And Tennessee promptly went 12 plays, 75 yards, scored a touchdown to make it a, a three touchdown lead, 31 to 10. And at that point, you know, didn't see much good happening for South Carolina. <laughs> Excuse me. Like I said, I'm working through this cough, guys. Please bear with me. I apologize. But, but then, you know, the Gamecocks <laughs> are able to get a 75-yard touchdown run from Mario Anderson. You know, it's one of those things that, as <clears throat> excuse me, as fans, we're all just kind of beating our head against the wall. Like, okay, Mario Anderson has shown you he can get the tough yards. He can show you he can catch passes. He can stretch the ball outside and get tough yards running the ball. And now he just showed that if you block for him, he can go 75 yards to the house <clears throat> against an SEC team. So... <clears throat> Gosh, I'm so so sorry, y'all. So 31-17, Gamecocks are saying, okay, just need, need to get a turnover, <clears throat> need to force punts. They did their job. Uh, Tennessee had three-play, one-yard drive, only took a minute off the clock. They're punting the ball back to South Carolina. And then South Carolina, I guess they're feeling, you know, a little bit of desperation here again because, you know, they go seven plays, 31 yards in three and a half minutes. And then it's, you know, third and one on the Tennessee 35 and Mario Anderson gets stuffed. So it's fourth, fourth and one. And, and what are the Gamecocks going to do? Well, you've already seen the Shane is <clears throat> this pot committed here. And so you know, they attempt, you know, a run, a, a run up the quarterback rush here with Spencer Rattler, no gain fourth and one, they turn the ball over. Um, Yeah. You kind of, and I, I don't like to be this person. I really don't like to be the person that does, you know, Sunday, Sunday morning coaching or Sunday morning hindsight's 2020, but just looking at the, the way the game went, you know, Mitch Jeter has shown that he can make kicks and big time moments and big time environments. And you had the opportunity to get with a 48 yarder earlier in the game when, when, when you went for it on fourth down and didn't get it, this one would have been a 52 yarder for, um, for Mitch Jeter. At least you make it 31 20 at this point, or it could be 31 23 and now a touchdown and a two point conversion, you're right back in the game, but as always, hindsight's 2020. 
Um, and and you look in very next the very next drive, uh, Joe Milton got intercepted again. And you know, I understand that you know it was at the South Carolina two-yard line or whatever when Jalen Kilgore intercepted that pass, and that's kind of hard to that's hard to overcome. But you you just in my mind, the defense, and we can say whatever we want about Clayton White, we can say whatever we want about can he can he you know coach and prepare his team for a full game? Is he a one half defensive coordinator? Can he make adjustments? You know, I don't think that South Carolina's defense lost the game for South Carolina here. Um, I think that you know some coaching decisions, maybe kicking some kicking some field goals when you had the opportunity. I think you know obviously not getting that pick six to end to end the second quarter would have been huge for the Gamecocks. Um, this game could have turned in so many different times. And there's so many moments that when you look back on the game, I, I just hope that Shane is able to, to kind of learn from this because, and look, I'm not Shane Beamer. I'm not getting paid to be a head coach. I, I respect Shane Beamer to the utmost degree, uh, utmost degree. I think that he's the right coach for South Carolina right now. I think that he gets a lot out of his players I'm not here calling for Shane Beamer's job, but you know, th- these are some decisions that, you know, I don't think you've seen a Nick Saban make. And obviously Nick Saban's the goat, but you know, sometimes you got to take points and you got to, you got to live to play another down. And when you, when your defense is doing what they've done, I mean, there were the two interceptions on Joe Milton. He hadn't thrown an interception his entire career at Tennessee. And on top of that, you had the, you had the long run for Tennessee where the ball popped out. And there was an opportunity for the Gamecocks to hop on it. Tennessee hopped on it. Sometimes the ball just bounces that way. So, you know, it's one of those games where I think South Carolina had a chance to win this one, despite what the, the final box score says. And, you know, we'll just go through this quickly. You know, Tennessee got another field goal to make it 34-17. South Carolina got a field goal to make it 34-20. And then Tennessee effectively ended the game Um with about eight and a half minutes to go, they got the ball and scored a touchdown to make it 41-20. South Carolina went four plays, six yards, turned the ball over on downs again. I mean, it's a tough loss for the Gamecocks. It's a tough loss for the fans. Um, I think that the bye week is coming at the best possible time for the Gamecocks. Um, got got to get got to get healthy here, and you know, look at Spencer's numbers. He was twenty four of thirty five. Um, 169 yards to the air, an average of 4.8 yards per attempt, it looks like. Um, he did have the one big interception. Mario Anderson had the big run. Outside of that, he only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. But and you're starting to see the Gamecocks look a little bit – it's hard to say after the Tennessee game, but maybe getting a little bit more balanced, maybe you know getting the right players in position to make plays. I mean, if you were to tell me that Joe Milton was going to throw for 239 yards, throw two interceptions, and the Gamecocks would be down 14-10 at, at, in the first quarter, and you know, I would have said the Gamecocks have a good chance. I mean, Tennessee ran the ball 40 times for 238 yards. Gamecocks have got to get better at tackling. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's bad angles. I don't know if it's just lack of strength. I don't know why it seems like the Gamecocks miss so many tackles. And I watch a lot of college football and I don't see the amount of missed tackles that it feels like I see South Carolina have. Um, yeah, I think that there's just different opportunities in the game to kind of put it, you know, just the ball just bounces your way sometimes. And it did for Tennessee. I mean, I'm looking at Squirrel White. 
yeah, he had nine catches for 104 yards. But one of those was a, a 50 yard bomb that, you know, nine times out of 10, that ball is either intercepted or hits the ground. It just wasn't South Carolina's night. Uh, I mean, South Carolina, I mean, look, Tennessee had two fumbles in the game and, and they recovered, they recovered both of them. It's just an opportunity South Carolina had and they didn't capitalize. And we're back to the same story with the offensive line. And I, I had a feeling that Tennessee's defensive line was going to be troublesome for South Carolina. They had six sacks and eight tackles for loss. Spencer, <coughs> Spencer, if he gets time, can slice and dice a, a, any defense in the country up. I believe that, but he's got to get time. You look at Jalen Kilgore, really, you know, thought he had a really good game. You know, 15 tackles, eight solo. DQ Smith had 12 tackles. Nicky Mawari had nine. Um, Tonka Hemingway had five. I mean, I think the defense played well enough. And I think that you just chalk it up to not not the Gamecocks night. And I'm, I'm going to check in here on the on the chat box now. Um, yeah, Big Red. Milton looked good. I don't recall him playing well this season until our game. He's been kind of hit or miss. I haven't felt like he was a quarterback that South Carolina, that, that was going to beat South Carolina on his own. Um, and I still think that that Tennessee is probably going to need to to lean on the run more than the pass this year and and pick their moments in the passing game. But you know, Milton, if you give him time in the pocket, you know he's going to he's going to find his receivers. And you know, looking at this, South Carolina had one sack and one tackle for loss. So that's a big reason that Joe Milton that he looked as good as he did. I have no idea what the number of pressures were, but yeah, that was tough. I mean. Going back to Big Rooster, talking about Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt are beatable. I agree with you. <clears throat> um, I don't think that Kentucky is as good as they looked against Florida. And I have serious doubts and reservations about Florida as well. I mean, right now, I mean, there's no way any of those games, except for Vanderbilt, I would say, is a sure win for South Carolina. I mean, we just saw Florida beat Tennessee in Gainesville for the what seems like the 20th time in a row Florida's beat Tennessee in Gainesville. I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Tennessee was having kind of a <clears throat> kind of a bad night that night. I and mean, I, I watched some of that game, you know, on replay that I recorded, but I didn't I didn't watch all of it. Um yeah, I mean you have Florida, you have I think is it big rooster you tell me. I think that Florida Kentucky and Vanderbilt are all at home. I think they go to Missouri this year. So, and Missouri looks like a team that can play with anybody and lose to anybody. I mean, they still haven't been that impressive to me. Florida, I don't think is very good. I think that it suits the Gamecocks to get Florida at home after a bye week. Kentucky, they had a guy that just went nuts on the ground against Florida. Didn't see that coming. I don't think that's the that's the norm for Kentucky. And yeah, Vanderbilt's beatable. Uh, let's see, Kendall. Kendall L says, I've officially lowered my expectations for this season. We can't beat teams just throwing the ball to Leggett. Can we run some screen, some screens, Juju, Slants, Lewis and Brown, and reverses Harbor? <clears throat> Kendall, I agree with everything that you just said there. Um, you know, Mario Anderson seems to be maybe an answer for the Gamecocks at running back. Uh, Leggett was just double covered all night by Tennessee. Uh, it was really tough to it was really tough to see Spencer not have a heck of a lot of time back there. And then, you know, just not being as, as decisive as we've seen Spencer be lately, but yeah, Juju is never going to be a guy that's going to be successful, you know, running between the tackles. I don't, and we've talked about this before. I don't know if Juju is a slot, a slot wide receiver. I think he's kind of like a gadget guy and you, you got to get Juju in space for him to be effective. 
So, you know, Eddie Lewis and Brown, yeah, I mean, they got to get those guys with some with some slants. I don't know where the the quick slant game is. And, you know, when I was a younger kid and I was playing NCAA football, I would just destroy my opponents with quick slants nonstop. I mean, I don't know if it's an issue of Spencer seeing over the line of scrimmage. I mean, he is on the, on the, on the shorter side. I don't know if it's a play he's just not comfortable with, with the amount of pressure that he has coming up the middle and, and linebackers, you know, right, right across the D line. I, I, I would think that there are opportunities and maybe you can learn a little bit from Tennessee because oftentimes Tennessee is just spreading their wide receivers out to the sidelines and just killing somebody with a quick slant right when they get open. And it's just an effective way to spread the field and kind of kind of use the run game. I don't know. I don't know what they can do with Nicholas Harbor right now. Uh, Nicholas Harbor obviously has talent. He has size. He has speed. He has everything that you'd, you'd, be, you'd, you'd look for in a prototypical you know, wide receiver. I know that there's been some nuance they've been working on with Nicholas Harbor, but you got to find a way to get the ball in Harbor's hands. I mean, reverses, heck yeah. Um, you know, just straight go routes. Just go. Just run faster than that other guy. And Spencer has the arm to get it down there. Um, I think the bye week's coming at a good time for self-evaluation for all of the coaches. Um, you're going to have two weeks to, you're going to have this week to, to sharpen up on the little things that you're, you're messing up. You're going to have time to get some folks healthy and then it's on to Florida game prep. Um, yeah, I mean, Doty and Harbor don't play the same position here, big red. And that's not what you're saying, but you're saying, I don't understand the lack of usage with Harbor. Why run that sweep with Dottie over Harbor? I don't know. I don't know if that that sweep is is not in the route tree for Harper's position. Doty and, and Harper played different positions at wide receiver. Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, as far as expectations for the rest of the year, I mean, you guys all know that one of my predictions was the Gamecocks would win nine plus games, um, with two wins on the season, <laughs> and you know, seven games left. They're going to have to going a magical run here to get to nine in the regular season. Um, pretty much. Yeah. That'd be winning out. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, I think that this bye week is going to give South Carolina a lot of, a lot of time to address some things. Um, Kendall L says beam is loyal to his upperclassmen to a fault. Let the best players, pull, <coughs> excuse me, play, even if they're freshmen. Yeah, I, <coughs> I do agree. I do agree with you there. Uh, one second. Let me drink some water. Yeah, this is how much I love you guys. I'm out here when there's a rampant cold going through my house and my wife's laid up in bed coughing her lungs out and I'm up here doing the same thing. But yeah, when it comes to loyalty with the upperclassmen, <clears throat> I mean, to carry on joiners had his moments in a Gamecock uniform. He's definitely had some highs, you know, with the, the upset of Georgia when he played in the second half, the North Carolina game. And they are definitely trying to manufacture touches for to carry on. And to carry on is not a bad player, but right now, you know, what, what they're trying is not working with him. And with Luke Doty, you know, <clears throat> I, I understand, you know, what they're trying to do. I mean, he is an athletic guy, you know, for his size and, and all of that. But I would also say that, you know, Doty does, is not, he hasn't played wide receiver in so many years. I mean, just forcing that in over and over again, when you have, you have talented guys behind Doty, um, I don't know what that that's all about. Um, Yep. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious we don't have the dudes and we're not using them. 
I I think that you gotta yeah see I mean I think Ty, Tyshawn Russell Nick Harbor need to play I think Eddie Lewis you only got him for a year you need to get him involved Josh Simon's a dude I don't know what's going on with Josh Simon Trey Knox has definitely been underwhelming <clears throat> I think at some point yeah I think that you know if I'm Beamer during this bye week I'm every position is up for grabs except for you know Xavier Spencer um a couple others, you know, on the offensive line, I think some of those are just kind of set at this point and there's room for growth, but yeah, next year is going to be, next year is going to be pretty, pretty tough. I, I would say, um, if some of these guys don't get some experience, I'm, I'm over the moon excited for Lenore sellers. He's a different quarterback than Spencer Rattler. He's definitely not the better option than Spencer right now, but I think with, you know, just another year of growth and maturation, I think that, I think Lenore Sellers can do some big things for South Carolina. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Juice. I mean, a lot of people seem to think that when Juice comes back, if he comes back, it's going to open up another element to to the offense. And and Juice will, Juice will be good. And you know, focusing on the positives, like Big Red says down here, you know, I do think that the line is showing improvement. I don't think the Gamecocks have played a complete game yet. Um, I think that that should be coming. It's just highly unlikely, in my opinion, for for the Gamecocks not to play some complete games. I think, you know, leaving Tree on the island against some of those Tennessee defensive ends and linebackers that were blitzing, I think that was a mistake. I don't know where all the the running back and and tight end like chip blocking went from the Mississippi State game. I, I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, no clue about the defense. I mean, I still feel pretty good about the secondary long term. I think that, you know, not having Nick out there for a while hurt the defense. I think the DQ would tell you himself he hasn't played the, as as well as he as he could play and as, as, as capable as he is of playing. I think that Jalen Kilgore has shown some things. I really think that, you know, linebacker play has been kind of spotty, too. I've been pleased with the linebacker play. I think that they need to get Pup Howard and Bam Scott Martin back in there. The defensive line just hasn't done what I thought the defensive line would do. Tonka Hemingway has almost been invisible this year. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I don't know where I, that I've really seen Alex Huntley pop as much as you know I thought he did, you know, last year. And defensive end is just a travesty at the moment. Uh, Dylan Stewart can't get to campus fast enough, and I, I think that it's it's very unlikely that Dylan Stewart would not be starting for South Carolina right now if he was not in high school. Um, happy, happy, happy says this season is swirling down the drain quick and 2024 isn't looking any better. That is unless Beamer gets in the portal and gets some serious dudes on the roster. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think 2024, you know, while you lose the the Florida, Tennessee and Georgia's from your schedule, um, you're still replacing them with with good with good teams as well. I think that the schedule is a little bit better for South Carolina next year than it has been so far this year. Um, I think South Carolina has just played a ridiculously tough schedule. I mean, before the season started, I mean, multiple multiple media outlets said that this would be, you know, the toughest schedule in the country. And it's, it's bearing that out. Um, it's bearing that out. <clears throat> I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to think about 2024 too much right now because I think that, you know, the, the Gamecock coaching staff and the players have got to find a way to regroup and rebound. And I think that, you know, just look at, let's just look at the schedule really quick um, and just see what's coming up. I know that 
Gamecocks are two and three right now. You, know, you say Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt are going to be wins. You know, after Florida, you go on the road to Missouri. Um, and, and this is something I like to look at too. Let's see who Missouri plays the week before South Carolina. Um, so 10, 14, they'll play at Kentucky. So, you know, we're going to see what Missouri is all about these next two weeks because they have LSU at home and then they go to Kentucky. So, um, you know, the Florida game, I think, I think South Carolina should beat Florida. I really think they should beat Florida. Um, and yeah, you know, happy, happy, happy is right. And all honestly, the Gamecocks have always played one of the toughest schedules. And we talk a lot about South Carolina being a 500, 500 program for its history. And it doesn't help when you're, you know, pretty much always playing the toughest schedule in the country. I would love to see these kind of North Carolina games to start the season go away. I think that you kind of need to take that Kentucky model where you get as many directional schools as you can on the schedule, you know, find those three wins a season. Let's say the Vanderbilt game is going to be a win 95% of the time. You're already at four and then you only have a handful of swing games. Um, that's what I would do anyway. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think that right now, I mean, you got to find a way to win four more games and Jacksonville state and Vanderbilt will call wins. So you got to find two more versus, you know, Florida at home at Missouri at Texas A&M Kentucky at home and then at home versus Clemson. Um, Carolina Titan says this team has some really good players. It's all, it's just all a matter of scheme and adjustments. We didn't look prepared for the Tennessee game. We knew we, we would get their a game and still looked unprepared. Um, I see happy, happy, happy says 2024 starts with some potential cupcake games. I agree. I think that 2024, that's so important for Lenore Sellers to to not be thrown into the fire against a North Carolina or Virginia Tech even in the, in the coming years. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, and going back to what Carolina Titans says, the Gamecocks have players. I mean, they have some dudes. It's just about unlocking them all at the same time. And that's been that's been the challenge for South Carolina so far this year. I mean, I was really proud of the performance against Georgia in the first half at times in the second half. Um, I, I thought that, you know, South Carolina just came out flat against North Carolina. I can't say that South Carolina came out flat against Tennessee. I just think that some, some crazy, some crazy things happened in that game for South Carolina to get for the game to get that out of hand so quickly. And, you know, if you're not a member of the big spur, I, I definitely encourage you to join the big spur. Ben Briner does a ridiculously good job at um, preparing the Big Spur subscribers for each game that week in the college football season. And then he does a recap afterwards. And, you know, there's just those little moments in games. And I, I don't think the Gamecocks are unprepared, but one of the things Ben Briner talks about is staying connected in a game. And what he means by that is keeping things a one score game, you know, whether it's uh, down by a field goal or down by a touchdown, you always want to have be, you know, potentially one play away on offense from tying or taking the lead in a game. And, and South Carolina just did not do that against North Carolina. They didn't do it against Georgia and they didn't do it against Tennessee. Um, I'm not at the point where I'm questioning Beamer and the coaching staff, like happy, happy, happy just said, um, or he's, he questioned Beamer and the coaching staff. I think that there's a lot of, a lot of things you can point to in this particular game against Tennessee that you can question the coaching staff on. 
I think that, you know, after, <clears throat> after the fake punt, you know, lining up, you know, trying quick snap with, with the punting team still on the field. I mean, that's just me, in my opinion, Shane being too cute. And, and I think Dabo gets too cute sometimes as well. And you could just see Shane grinning from ear to ear that he stole a timeout from, from Tennessee. But, you know, I think that that type of, that type of move kind of disc, disc, joints you know your football team you know you just had a big play get the offense back on the field as quickly as possible see what the tennessee defense is doing make audibles make adjustments and shane shane will probably tell you he probably should have taken the points at the end of that drive um you know obviously everyone was hoping for a touchdown does Xavier really get on the fake it didn't happen but shane has got to take got to take points there and it could be a different ball game same thing later on when he passed up a a 52 yard field goal attempt I mean, some things were lucky for Tennessee. I don't think that you're going to see Spencer Rattler throwing an interception pick six like we just saw the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. I, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, the routes that are two or three yards short of the sticks that Happy 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 is talking about. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll reference Ben Briner again, who I think does a great job. And he talks about some of those crossing routes, you know, while, while they are behind the sticks, are really mesh plays that are attempting to get a guy kind of running, running free where you turn that potential, you know, three or four yard pass into 16 or 17 yards. <clears throat> and it's just so hard right now, especially in this Tennessee game, because I just don't think Spencer had time, but I mean, I've, I'm one of, I'm just like you. I mean, if it was a dig route, you know, or crossing route, you know, that was just blatantly two or three yards short from where the pass was intended to go. Um, I would have a problem with that. You know, some of these mesh concepts that they're running where, you know, Xavier Leggett's kind of crossing, you know, short crossing route, and you're trying to get confusion with the defense and the limited amount of time that that Spencer has to get the ball out of his hands. You know, I, I kind of understand the play call, but, you know, I think that we're all conditioned from the Satterfield years where it was just every single time there was a, you know, opportunity to convert a third down or convert a fourth down. We were just throwing the ball five five yards behind the sticks um so it's just maddening i do think that dallas is going to do a better job with that than satterfield did going forward and and look there's things that the gamecocks learned i don't think the gamecocks had any faith in pushing the the tennessee defensive line in a big moment you know a, a third and one or a fourth and one i just don't think the gamecock staff really had faith in it and, at the, and, and look, you saw it later on in the game where they didn't run that crossing route and Spencer tried to get the, get the first down himself or Mario Anderson tried to get it on third down. And it just seems like those little things that <clears throat> you see so many professional teams and, and so many college teams able to go get that one yard when you just need a yard or get that two yards when you just need two yards. And it's just not happening for South Carolina right now. And I don't know if that's something that they can fix with a with a bye week um maybe maybe make some maybe challenge some guys <clears throat> you know challenge the offensive line and and say this is what we're going to work on this is what we're going to get and heck i mean if i was if i was the the coaches at this point especially in the bye week i just put 15 defensive players on the field and run short yardage situations non-stop so it just seems like you know make it as hard as possible for the offense to get it and make them earn it. And that way, when you get back to 11 men on the field, maybe, maybe it's something that they're conditioned to, you know, have confidence in that they, they can get those yards when they need them. Um, I did, I did have some, 
some conversation on the Big Spur, you know, after the game, I've seen a lot of Gamecock fans kind of wallowing in their misery over over the, uh, the outcome of the Tennessee game. And and anytime South Carolina loses, you know, you really see the people that want to feel sorry for themselves and and sorry for the Gamecocks, you know, kind of come out the woodwork and everything is wrong. I just want to reiterate, you know, something that Lou Holtz said a while ago. You know, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. Um, I can point out numerous plays in that Tennessee game that were kind of fluky, that if those things don't happen, maybe it's a different outcome. But, you know, I, I don't know how many of you guys, you know, got the Powerball tonight. But I will say that, you know, whether you like it or you hate it, um, NIL is here to stay for the foreseeable future. And South Carolina is very much behind in that regard. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, after after losses that I'm going to stop my donating to, you know, whatever NIL that you support or, you know, you contribute to. All I can say is if, if the Gamecocks want to be competitive in the most competitive conference in the country, not only from a recruiting standpoint, but an on the field of play, the Gamecocks have got to do something with NIL. I think that JC has the right model when he talks about $18 and one cents per month. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you have those big donors out there that I think Garnet trust is going after, you know, get them to donate. I know that, you know, Spencer and juice wells are taken care of, you know, pretty well, um, from a financial aspect. And I'm not saying that every player needs to get Spencer Rattler type, NIL money, but I mean, just think about where South Carolina would be right now without a Spencer Rattler. You know, if he had gone pro last year and and not cashed on NIL, I mean, Lenoris would have been thrown into the fire and and that could have stunned his development for a, a long time. I mean, you know, I donate to Carolina Rise. Um, you know, I've donated for a long time. I took a little bit of a break when I wasn't sure if I if I could do it while I was you know working for the Big Spur, but you know, it's just one of those things where if you can spread the word and try and get people to donate 1801 or, or bigger amounts of money, because it's going to be open season on South Carolina's roster after this season. Um, yeah, happy, happy, happy says I'm a Gamecock till I die. But to be honest, I'm freaking sick to death of Gamecock football mediocrity. I agree with you. You know, I made a post on the Big Spur this this past weekend that said, you know, th- if, if this is what South Carolina football is. If South Carolina, you know, doesn't find a way to do better with NIL by spreading the word, getting donors, then it's going to get worse for South Carolina. It's not going to get better. Um, South Carolina is always going to get a handful of four-star recruits, you know, maybe the local guys. But in the transfer world, it's just going to be open season on the roster. Um, I don't know of names, but I have heard that, you know, the Gamecock coaching staff is prepared to have to find money for players that are currently on the team. Now, whether that says something about the individual player himself, you know, I don't know. I know that, you know, um, the, the guy that we won't talk about Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd, who's out in, in Southern Cal was looking for a bag and he got one. Um, I know that, you know, there was a great NIL, you know, offer on the table from South Carolina to keep um, Jordan Birch at South Carolina um, just for a little bit more money. You know, his, his family made a decision that it was best for him to go to Oregon. I, I think that it's, it's beneficial for South Carolina that that juice and, and Spencer are likely gone after this year from an NIL standpoint. So maybe some of that money can get spread out, but you know, 
know, you're going to have to start with your, your in-house players first and then work out to recruiting. And that's my opinion. <clears throat> that's my opinion on NIL. You're going to have to retain your best players and then still add, you know, those dudes that are in the portal, um, every opportunity you can. And then, then it funnels down to recruiting and then you show recruits, you know, if you are successful, this is what you can expect at South Carolina. So I know that Shane is adamant that players are going to have to earn the right for NIL. It's not a pay for play type thing. It's if you earn the opportunity to be marketable and be brandable and you earn the opportunity that, you know, your fair market value, whatever that is for a college football player now. And, <clears throat> you know, I hate that it's on the fans. I hate that, you know, I'm donating money to Carolina athletics in this, in this way right now, because, you know, it's just not fair for the student athletes um, to, to not get some part of that TV contract money. And, and I think that a lot of this would be sorted out if they just did that, but until they, until they make some kind of, you know, I don't want to say a union, but until they do something with, you know, players getting some of that money from the TV contracts. Yeah. I think you're going to continue to see this. And, you know, you saw the reports of a, recruit wanting $5,000 to come on a visit just to visit a school. Um, <clears throat> it's the wild, wild west. And, you know, I just encourage you if you don't donate to, to try and find a couple, couple dollars at the end of each month and, and tell other people to do the same thing because the Gamecocks are well behind pretty much everybody in the SEC, not named Vanderbilt. I mean, you had Ole Miss raise $3 million in, in like two days over the weekend after, after they beat LSU. Um, but individuals just doing a one-time $50 donation to get an opportunity to, I can't remember if it was like free tickets to a game, but like one of the things was like a Jackson dart signed towel and they raised $3 million in no time. There are ways for South Carolina to be creative and they're, and JC is doing a great job with it. Um, you know, whether it's a business sponsorship or what, and I'm not trying to sit on my soapbox here and say, you know, give to Carolina rise because we're autom automatically going to be a, an 11 win team competing for the college football playoffs. But, I'll say it again. I've said it a, a lot. This is the first time in my lifetime that I, I can remember the, the average ordinary Joe who just loves the Gamecocks has an opportunity to, to have, to see success on the field through contributions. Um, it's not, it's not under the table anymore. Um, and South Carolina wasn't great when it was under the table. So something has to change because, you know, South Carolina is in danger of losing some players and they're not going to be competitive in the, in the transfer portal. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Happy, happy, happy with there should be limits or standards in place to prevent the money ball game happening. There should, but the NCAA can't put this back in there. They can't put this back in Pandora's box. If, if any of you win the Powerball tonight, I hope that you consider helping JC out, helping the collectives out because, you know, you can make a difference with that type of money. Um, and that's just what, sadly what South Carolina is lacking from a fan base, which is why, you know, JC is, is so adamant that a collective with small donations by many is the way to go. So you're not going to hear me talk about NIL for a while. If you guys have questions about it, you know, let me know. I'm more than happy to, to share my thoughts on the subject. I'm more than happy to, you know, give you every bit of information I have that, you know, I've, I've heard, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee's dropping bags in NIL and South Carolina still had chances to win. So I, I think that it's a long way of saying the uh, Gamecocks are behind NIL and I think it's going to make a difference in the long run. I think that 
you know, talking about getting those dudes out of the portal. You know, that's why I'm talking about this right now. You know, finding dudes on the roster, finding dudes in recruiting, finding dudes in the portal, because um, it's going to be really important for 2024. Definitely. It's not going to change much of 2023, but it is going to it is going to impact 2024. So um, if, if I miss anything, y'all, just let me know. Um, as always, you can you can catch me on the Big Spur message boards. The username is Matt Anderson. I'm on there a handful throughout the day, you know, checking in on, on the board. You can reach me at late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Um, you know, I check my email a couple of times a day as well. Um, you can send me questions there. You can send me ideas for, for topics and, and we'll talk a little bit more about Gamecock basketball um, over the next kind of probably, we'll probably do some on Thursday and maybe some on Monday as well, you know, during the bye week when there's just not a whole lot to talk about as far as reviewing a Gamecock football game or, upcoming schedule you know it's probably gonna you're probably gonna hear the upcoming schedule talk everywhere you listen to Gamecock content so we'll try and make it fun and different we might talk a little bit about basketball and um look forward to that um I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and um you'll get the podcast probably sometime Friday or early Saturday so I'm excited for it excited for all of you guys I appreciate y'all giving me the most valuable thing you have which is your time and um go Gamecocks and, and there will be better days ahead Hope you'll have a good one. Talk to you soon.